take your Bible to John chapter number 8, John's gospel chapter number 8 tonight, and a familiar passage of scripture, and I don't intend uh, to be very long at all, <clears throat> but I want to be mindful to the Lord and uh, give you what's on our heart this evening, John chapter number 8, and um, look with me if you will uh, there in verse number 1, all right, John chapter number 8. And verse number one, good to be saved, good to be in the house of God uh, on this midweek service this Wednesday evening. And uh, thankful we still have a place where we can come and we can gather together and uh, worship the Lord and uh, gather around His Word. And uh, I'm glad here at our church it's all about Jesus. Amen. And uh, we praise the Lord for what He's doing in our church and our, our own lives personally. And uh, we just want to magnify Him for those things tonight. Amen. John chapter number 8, if you look with me, if you will, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And so when they continued asking, asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings upon our life. God, thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. And Father, I pray, Lord, for the next few moments tonight, God, that you would help us. Lord, that you'd manifest yourself, manifest your presence. Lord, we need you. God, you know the place that we stand in tonight. Lord, it's a needful place. Lord, I need your touch and I need your help. God, we are needy people tonight and I pray that you would help us. Lord, it's already been mentioned. God, if there's one here that's lost without you, I pray, God, that you would draw them to yourself. I pray, Lord, that you would give us liberty and unction. Lord, that you'd make preaching easy tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to magnify your Son. God, help us to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you alone are worthy. And God, we'll thank you, Lord, for everything that you do in this service. We ask you, Lord, that you would forgive us where we've sinned against you, where we failed you. And God, we know that your grace is sufficient tonight. And so we commit ourselves unto you. And Lord, we ask you, God, that you'd help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. When we come to John chapter number 8 tonight, as we already said, this is a uh, familiar passage of Scripture. This is an instance here in the Word of God where Jesus deals with an individual 
uh, on a personal level. And we'll say more about that in just a little bit. Uh, but if you ever have the opportunity to go through the Gospels and see where Jesus gets someone by themselves, there are amazing things that happen. God desired to speak to people on an individual level and on an individual basis. And may I say tonight that it's the same for you and I tonight. God has a word for us as a church collectively. But I'm glad that God desires to speak something personally uh, to our heart tonight here in the house of God. When we come to John chapter number 8, the first thing that we see here in this text is of course what we want to focus on uh, first. And that is of course the act. That is the sin uh, that is being discussed, that is being accused here in John chapter number 8. Look with me in uh, verse number 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, there are a lot of people that would... Uh, try to twist what's taking place here and uh, try to accuse the Lord Jesus Christ of uh, glossing over sin and overlooking somebody's sin but that's not what Jesus did at all as a matter of fact when we make our way through the text that's the root of the issue that Jesus deals with Jesus came uh, to deal with our sin tonight Amen. He didn't just come uh, to deal with the social issue He didn't just come uh, to try to uh, allow us to live our best life now uh, as some would say today but listen friend Jesus came and he came to deal with sin that's why he went to Calvary amen he didn't come just so that you and I uh, could have a good feeling in the house of God and uh, get goose pimples uh, and enjoy the service tonight uh, but I'm glad tonight listen God uh, came and manifested himself and he took my sin and your sin upon himself on the cross of Calvary and the dregs of the judgment of God uh, uh, were poured out upon Christ uh, and he was condemned there uh, uh, suspended between heaven and earth uh, and God the Father forsook his son uh, and he turned his face away uh, from heaven's lamb uh, you say why did he do that uh, he did that tonight because of sin uh, and you say well my sin's not that bad uh, uh, you know we try to prop ourselves up uh, and make ourselves feel good uh, and we'll call it shortcomings uh, and we'll call it mistakes but just call it what the Bible calls it call it sin tonight and God despised sin and he hates and he loves sin so much that he killed his own son to take care of our sin tonight amen we see the act we see the adultery and we see Jesus dealing with it tonight amen but we not only see the act but then we see the accusers in verse number 4 the Bible said they say unto him Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. This seems to be something uh, that was happening just moments ago. Uh, this seems to be something that is very near and very present. This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And they have come not only to accuse this woman, but there is a greater issue at hand here. Uh, listen, they're just using this woman as a pawn. They don't care anything about this 
woman. They don't care anything about the sin that she's ensnared herself in. But the Bible says in verse number 6, this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. They were using this woman as bait tonight. They were going to accuse her and see how the Son of God was to react to what was taking place. They said that they were going to tempt him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. I don't want to get ahead of myself tonight, but Jesus ignores them. For the moment, Jesus has absolutely nothing to say with his mouth or verbally tonight to these individuals. And he lets them speak and he lets them go on accusing this woman. And so we see the act of adultery. We see the accusers tonight. But I'm glad, thank God, in the midst of this story, even even though we see this sin we see this adultery and we see these accusers I'm glad in verse number 3 the Bible says and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery they didn't realize this tonight but this woman was caught up in this sin and they brought her before him to accuse her and to accuse him but they're in a better place tonight that they could have brought this woman than in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, amen uh, what they did is they took this woman in the midst of, their, uh, of her sin uh, and they brought her right before the only one uh, that could do anything about her sin uh, and the only one that could do anything uh, about the condition of her heart, uh, I'm glad tonight that they brought her uh, to accuse her and to accuse him uh, but they dropped her right in the front uh, of an advocate tonight that could help her with her condition, amen Amen. I want to preach on this thought and this subject for a few moments tonight. An advocate for the accused. An advocate for the accused. I'll go ahead and give you the spoiler alert tonight. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. Thank God John wrote in another place after he pinned down this gospel as an old man. Thank God he wrote, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, that he wrote that the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. I'm so glad, thank God, I've got an advocate. I'm glad I've got a mediator. Amen. Uh, Paul said there's one mediator uh, between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, thank God we've got somebody uh, that's willing to stand up for us. Uh, uh, brother, you look at this woman and you look at the situation that she's in. Listen, that's just like the world. Uh, uh, they find us uh, uh, downtrodden. Uh, uh, they find us in sin. Uh, and they're ready to accuse. Uh, uh, they're ready to point the finger. Uh, they're ready to drop us off and to leave us to our fate. But I'm glad tonight, thank God, that Jesus is concerned with us and He's concerned with dealing with our sin. Not that He may condemn us. Not that He may cast us aside. But He may give us purity of heart and purity of mind and that we may stand guiltless and we may stand justified before an almighty God tonight. Amen. I'm glad I've got an advocate tonight. How about you? Amen. Number one tonight, I see that our advocate is powerful tonight. Amen. Our advocate is powerful. Notice with me in verse number six, 
the Bible says this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And so here Jesus is. They've come. They think that they've uh, got this thing tied up and wrapped up. And they bring this woman trying to use her as bait before Jesus. And they lay their case out. And they accuse this woman before the Lord. And here Jesus, I don't really know what he was doing. Uh, he, the Bible says that he was uh, riding on the ground. He may have been doodling. I don't know what he wrote and you don't know either. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, is he wasn't paying them any mind uh, and he was more concerned with what he was writing in the dirt or writing in the sand. Uh, and they continued to ask him. Uh, they pressed him more. Uh, and so finally he lifts himself up uh, and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. What he does is he brings their attention uh, to their own condemnation. He brings their attention to their own uh, guilt. And the Bible says in verse number 8, And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. He says something to them uh, that cuts them to the heart. And he goes back to just doing what he's doing. Writing whatever it was that he was writing. Doodling whatever it was that he was doodling. But the verse number 9 tells us this. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the eldest even unto the last and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst what's interesting tonight in this text is we find Jesus riding two separate times and whenever we consider the word of God and we consider the times that God wrote with his finger you remember and we'll speak about it here in just a second but we remember in verse number 5 he said now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned as a matter of fact it was God himself that wrote the law of God out on those tablets of stone for the man of God Moses as Moses was there on Sinai in the presence of God and he saw the glory cloud God communed with him and God spoke to him and he wrote that law down amen and Moses took that law and he went down to the children of Israel and he saw them playing the fool and he saw them living in sin and he took that law and in his anger and in his frustration he took that law and he threw it down and he broke it but I'm glad that God was willing to write again amen but God wanted to be sure that his people would have a word that could rule them. Uh, He wanted them to have a word that they could live by. And so God wrote with his finger on the tables of stone for Moses. Amen. Uh, uh, But listen to me tonight. Moses uh, threw that law down and God wrote it a second time and Moses took that second copy and he put it inside that box, the Ark of the Covenant. And the children of Israel were to carry that thing around uh, on 
on their wilderness wanderings. But Moses took that law that condemned and he took that law that could not save and he put it inside that Ark of the Covenant and on top of that law that condemned was a mercy seat where the blood would be applied. And so here these Pharisees come. They say, now Moses said in the law that this woman should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Amen. I'm glad that wasn't the end of a story. I'm glad Jesus didn't agree with them and say, you know, you're right. We ought to stone her. But I'm glad Jesus is in the saving business. I'm glad, thank God, as we said, He's come to deal with our sin. The Son of Man has come not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved tonight. Amen. That first writing emphasized the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. But that second writing emphasized grace tonight. Those second tablets, as we said, they were put inside that mercy seat. Uh, not to do away with that law, but thank God there was a covering for that law. That law that could not save. That law that condemned you and I. Thank God, listen, when the law says we're guilty, uh, the blood says we're justified. Amen. Uh, when the law says we ought to die, thank God it's the grace of God uh, that says you and I can live tonight. Amen. Jesus said we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. Amen. Jesus exercises his power not only in his writing, but he exercises his power in his words. Verse number 9 tells us that they were convicted by their own conscience. That's where conviction begins. It begins in the mind and it begins in the heart. That's where God begins to deal with us as we become conscious of our sin. We become conscious of our standing before God. We become guilty before a thrice holy God. The Bible says in verse number 9, beginning at the eldest, I reckon he had more to give an account for. He had sinned more. He had done more. But beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone I'm glad that the word of God has power tonight I'm glad that the words of Jesus Christ have power Listen, the day that you and I got saved, the moment that you and I got saved, listen, it wasn't necessarily the voice of a preacher that contained that power, but he was empowered by the word that he was preaching. He was empowered by the message that he gave you that day. Thank God the word of God, it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword tonight. Amen. And our advocate is powerful because of his writing, because of his words tonight but then can I say this as we said before our advocate is not only powerful but our advocate seeks to get personal look with me in verse number 9 again they were convicted by their own conscience and here in verse number 9 at the latter part and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst and when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? See, where Jesus was when these men were about to uh, carry out this, this stoning or 
at least pretend that they were or play like they were. These men knew what the law said and Jesus knew what the law said and knew what the law was in the land that they were living in. They tried to entrap Jesus. They tried to accuse him because here was the fact that I, the law of God said that this woman ought to be stoned. And that was right. That's what Moses wrote down. That's what God told him to write. And according to the law, this woman deserved to die. But there was a problem. They weren't in, in uh, the land of uh, Canaan. They weren't living uh, in a land where the word of God had complete rule. They were under the rule of Rome. And here's what Roman law said. Roman law said you cannot take life unless Rome approves of that taking of life. And so if this woman had been stoned. It would have been in uh, cooperation with the word of God. But it would have been against Roman law. And so Jesus understands this. Jesus knows this. He's caught between Jewish law. And he's caught between Roman law. But understand what Jesus does tonight. Jesus bypasses all of that. Jesus deals with these men at their heart. He deals with them at their conscience where they have nothing to say. They no longer have any accusations. And one by one they leave. And then finally Jesus has this woman exactly where he wants her. Jesus was left alone with her and the woman was standing in the midst. How could Jesus be in a place with a person like this? How could a holy and a righteous God come in contact with someone of this kind of reputation and this kind of action tonight? And I say this, that Jesus Christ has never once sacrificed His holiness at the expense of grace. Jesus has never sacrificed His grace at the expense of of his holiness. This was not just any man that she was standing in the presence of. This was the Son of God. This was truly deity. This was God Himself. And He alone had the power to forgive sins. He alone had the power to heal tonight. Jesus got her, as we said, exactly where He wanted her. Away from all of the chatter, away from all of the voices, away from all of the accusers, away from all of the condemnation and all of the loud voices of the world were finally quieted. And here this woman is standing face to face with Jesus and that's exactly where God wants to get you tonight. He wants to stand face to face with you that he may deal with you personally tonight. Would you allow Christ to deal with you personally? You say, preacher, I'm already saved. Wonderful. But you can abide in Him. You can grow in His grace and His knowledge. There are some things that God may want to deal with in your heart, in your life tonight. I don't know what those things are. I don't have to give you a list tonight. You know what those things are. You know what the issues in your life are. You know what the hang-ups are in your life. You know what those secret sins are tonight. But as God has you face-to-face with Him, would you allow Christ to deal with the heart of the issue tonight? We see that our advocate is powerful. Our advocate desires to get personal tonight. 
But can I tell you this, that our advocate desires to extend pardon. Look with me in verse number 10. The Bible said, And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Here's what he said. He said, go and sin no more. Isn't it interesting that he did not say go and sin less. Go and try to do better. But he said this. He said, go and sin no more. It's interesting that John wrote in his epistle later. He said, if we sin. If I would have wrote that down, I would have said, when you sin. Because I know myself. When you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. But John said, if we sin. Now certainly tonight, we're not preaching sinless perfection. That that doctrine is not taught in the Word of God. But truly, as the old time preacher said, Christians are not sinless, but we ought to sin less Here's what he told her. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What did Jesus offer to this woman tonight? He offered her pardon. But pardon is expressed in the text three ways. Number one, he gave this woman a new Lord. This woman was guided by Maybe a need in her life. Maybe this woman was guided by her emotions. Maybe this woman was guided by her feelings. Maybe this woman was guided to feel the need to feel accepted by some man or feel accepted by society. But thank God when Jesus got her alone and Jesus got her by himself, he offered to her what she had never received before and it was forgiveness. He offered unto her what no man had ever offered unto her before and it was a new Lord. Amen. Thank God that day she had placed Jesus Christ upon the throne room of her heart. She addresses him there as Lord in verse number 11. So he gave her a new Lord. But then he gave her a new life. The life that she was living was obviously a wicked life. We don't know the great details of this woman's past. But we see her condition right here presently in the text. And it's far from desirable. But he said this. He said, woman, where are those thine accusers? Maybe this woman had spent her life always running, always looking over her shoulder, always looking behind her, always wondering if her, her past deeds would catch up with her in the present and determine her future. But Jesus not only gives her a new Lord, but thank God Jesus gives her a new life tonight. And that's exactly what the gospel offers us. That's exactly what salvation provides. It doesn't just provide religion. It doesn't just provide some spiritual exercise. But I'm thank, thank God tonight that when you get born again, you truly receive eternal life and you receive a life that only God can impart unto you tonight. She received a new Lord. She received a new life. I'm thankful tonight she received a new love. 
Here's what he said. He said, neither do I condemn thee. I mean, you're talking about getting off the hook. Here this woman is. She's brought before these men. She's very familiar with who these religious men were. But this stranger that she's brought before, maybe she'd heard about him, maybe she'd seen him, maybe not. But here's what he speaks to her. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He offered unto her a new Lord. He offered unto her a new life. But he gave her a new love. Why is it that she would go and have the power and have the desire uh, to sin no more? uh, To leave the life that she had been living? Because, listen to me, it would be motivated by love tonight. The motivation for Christian living ought not be that if I do this, God's going to kill me. We ought to have a healthy fear of the Lord. You understand what I'm saying tonight. But what an awful way to live your life. If I mess up, God's going to do this. Or if I, I mess up, walking on it. I had a real good conversation with a boy yesterday at work about eternal security. He belongs to another denomination. And uh, they believe that you can lose your salvation. We began to talk about that and I told him, I said, listen, if God was a God who could save me but he could not keep me and I say this respectfully, then he wouldn't be much of a God that was worth serving. If Jesus died at Calvary and he shed his blood and God gave his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world and I accept that and from that point on it's up to me to maintain that. Listen, I I would have lost it a long time ago, friend. That is works-based salvation. But I'm glad tonight that it was love that drew me to repentance. It was love that drew me to the foot of the cross. And it's love that keeps me in line tonight. Listen, I'm not fearful of it's God that God's going to squash me like a bug. I have a healthy fear of God, and I ought to fear God more than what I do. But I tell you what motivates me to live for Him. It's not the fear of chastisement, and it's not the fear of punishment, though that may be present in my life. Hey, nobody's ever loved me like He loved me. Nobody's ever done for me what He's done for me. Nobody's ever blessed me like He blesses me. Hey, Nobody takes care of me uh, like he takes care of me. And the divine motivation uh, behind what Christ did on the cross was love tonight. Amen. And thus our motivation in living for him ought to be love. I know you've heard this illustration before. But on your wedding day, You said some vows. You did a lot of things. And I would venture to say that there's a whole lot of us that don't remember the minute details of our wedding day. But you know how you know you're married tonight? Because there's someone that you're in love with. There's someone that lives in the house with you. When you leave church tonight, there's somebody that'll go home with you. I've got my marriage license at the house. But when I consider the relationship that I have with my wife and I consider 
being faithful to her. and I consider taking care of her. I don't have to go and, and pull out the drawer and, and pull out the marriage license and say, you know, I'm bound to this and I, I have to do this because of what this piece of paper says. But I'm bound to take care of her and I'm bound to love her and I'm bound to provide for her not because of, of something that I possess but because of something that I know in my heart tonight. I know that I am in love and I know that that love is reciprocated for me. That is why we do what we do for one another. That is why we work through the difficulty. That is why we labor through the hard times. That is why we are committed to make it work tonight. Paul put it this way. He said that it is the love of Christ that constraineth us tonight. You know what we are tonight? We're bondservants of love. We are slaves to the master tonight. Amen. Not living in bondage. Not living under the, 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 the burden of some stressful and strenuous yoke. But we are walking in love tonight. There was a day and an hour in my life where there was an accuser present and said, look at what you've done. Look at how you've offended God. Look at how you've blasphemed Him. Look at how you've shamed His name. If I, and if I was to stand before that accuser and stand before God, I'd have to say, he's right. But over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, God and His Son said, I love you. I want more for you than where you're at. I want more for you than how you're living. Jesus died to justify sinful men. Jesus died to redeem the sinner tonight. Amen. I'm glad that there's an advocate or the accused. Let's stand together tonight. Say, so, preacher, I've heard that story a whole lot. Would you let that be real to you tonight? The fact that you were condemned. Not only just condemned to experience the consequences of your sin. But understand something, the wrath of God was abiding in your life. Jesus took your sin, Jesus took your judgment, Jesus took your shame. And He bore it at the cross of Calvary. And He stands now as our advocate. You may be here tonight, may have done some things that you're ashamed of. I'm glad I've got somebody that I can go to in times like that. We've got an advocate. As they play, as they sing, whatever they're going to do, we'll have a time of invitation. You respond as the Lord leads you tonight.